Welcome to episode eight of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Stephen Kabitza, and I am once again joined by the most loyal Browns fan in Louisville, Kentucky, Andrew Seipt. Andrew, what is on your mind? I don't think there's anything on my mind right now. My body's still trying to recover from mass quantities of alcohol this past weekend for Derby yeah. weekend. So just uh, just lucky to be here, Stephen. Lucky to be here. <laughs> Uh, we're glad to have you on the show that <laughs> me and you are the only ones who are part of it. Um, but I know something we want to talk about. You know, it's May. Not a lot going on with the Browns. The draft has been the focus. But something people really haven't been talking about is the fact that Isaiah Crowell still hasn't signed his contract tender. Jumping and right in. Jumping right in. It could be either. I know. It's great. It could be either the fact that he's seeking an extension. It could be we're heading toward a holdout for a running back who's making under $3 million a year. What yeah, do you think it is? Um, I mean, he probably just doesn't want to play for a $1.3 million tender. He probably wants a little bit more job security well, than it was, that. It was but a 2.81. 2, oh, I mean, that's that's plenty for me. I know for him, I don't know <laughs> necessarily why he doesn't want to sign. Maybe it's a value thing from from his standpoint that he thinks he's more valuable than that. Um, I don't know. I was, I was a big fan of possibly getting um, Dalvin Cook in the second round or drafting a Leonard Fournette or um, Christian McCaffrey. So I, I'm already in the, on the train that Crowell is a replaceable running back. That's not to say he isn't good, but um, I think the Browns could definitely be, uh, definitely have an upgrade at that position if, if Crowell turns out not wanting to play here. Yeah, and he's still with the team under team control for the season because he's a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of odd. Like, even if they want to move on and both sides agree, like, hey, you know, unless you have some crazy year, we're not going to give you an extension. Still show up and play, and if considering they didn't draft Cook or Fournette or even a running back higher than the seventh round, yeah, it's his va- he's going to be the featured back because if they drafted Fournette, he could say, "Oh well, my value is going to plummet here, and my free agent value is going to be horrible." But yeah. he's still the featured back, so it's kind of odd. And I mean, I can't imagine it's heading towards a holdout. Well, the thing that doesn't really make sense is the fact. So if he signs this two point eight one million dollar tender right now, I assume that's fully guaranteed. Yes. So yes if he's going to end up being probably an unrestricted free agent next year, wouldn't he want to play on that? Cause it, it one, it makes his base salary that, that much for next year for his contract negotiations. Plus he's going to play behind a better offensive line with probably and probably more focus on the run game than they had last year to, to protect whatever quarterback is under center. I mean, I think it, the situation is better for Isaiah Crowell. I'm just not sure why he hasn't signed yet. Yeah, it's odd. And the thing is, with the, with these kinds of stories, it's only May, so it's possible they're talking extension, and the Browns are like, we're not going to give you one. He's like, all right, I'll sign it, because he hasn't shown up to off-season workouts, but I'm sure he's not doing what we're doing, sitting at, <laughs> sitting at home. I'm sure he's working out, and oh, it's listens. not the same with a... He's one of our one of our twenty one listeners. <laughs> That'd be amazing. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna harass us for this one. But it's like my mom twenty times and Isaiah Crowell the other time, <laughs> and then me to test it out four times, but. <laughs> You know, it's not like it's a quarterback with wide receivers trying to build that chemistry. Crowell can just come in, knows the scheme they're running. And it's like I said, it's still May. It's it's like when we're talking about quarterbacks in February. Like, are the Browns going to sign Kirk Cousins? Like, probably not. I wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're going to get someone, but not right away. And I think it's interesting, you know, since I segue into my own topics I wanted to bring up. Talking about Kirk Cousins, you know, Sashi Brown came out and said there was no trade talks with him. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, there's reports of, you know, offers, but it just kind of shows how being a Browns fan every offseason, 
these big, crazy rumors are out there. And then the front office guys are like, what are, what are they talking about? Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure it was there. I don't think he's going to come out and he may vehemently deny it. But I, I mean, it, they, it, for them to not have at least kicked the tires, I think, is a little crazy because I, I think maybe maybe Washington reached out to them. You never know. Maybe um, the Browns truly weren't interested and it was someone out of Washington starting those kind of rumors because they maybe they know that. Um, Kirk Cousins may not want to sign long-term in Washington. So I, it could be a multitude of things. I, I just don't believe them for a second when they say that they weren't interested in those guys because have, there, there's very few teams that wouldn't be interested in the opportunity to at least the opportunity. Now, what you would have to give up, I'm sure there's a differing of opinions. But, I mean, to not answer the phone when people say that those kind of players are available doesn't ha- doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I'm sure there's definitely interest. It's just a matter of – like, oh, there's tra- – I think the term trade talks, some see it as there's an offer on the table while it could just be, hey, you guys thinking of trading Kirk? And they go, eh, we'll think about it. I'm sure that's <laughs> how those phone calls go. <laughs> Show me what you've got. That's how it goes. Hey, uh, you're going to get rid of Kirk? Like, Sashi, you know not to call me right now. <laughs> and their front office was so a mess that – who knows? Maybe some like someone new came in, or the old group wanted a trade. The new group didn't. So, yeah. I mean, I think definitely having a a longer time frame to do all their scouting this year helped the Browns in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I think definitely it was a, a lot less of a mess this year than it was last year. I think there's. I was I talking mean, about the Redskins front office. Oh gosh, I, this, I was like, the I love this Browns front yeah. office. No, I mean the old, uh, like how Washington's was such a mess. Yeah, and I mean, they, that whole know, thing with McLuhan was kind of weird and in and and his exit, then kind of the throwing McLuhan under the bus on his per- with his personal problems on top of having him let go. I think it was just a not not the way an owner should treat um, someone who's brought uh, Washington fans their first playoff season in quite some time. But, you know, that's <laughs> if there's if Sashi Brown wants to turn the Browns into a winner, then uh, I'd be ju- I'd be perfectly happy with that. So. Yeah, I'm. If they would have made a crazy move, I would have loved it because oh, it gives us a, gives us more stuff to talk about. They've won. Oh, that's writing about the Browns is the best. It's the best team to write about almost in sports. What's gonna happen? Like, because I always think about this. Like, if if like, what would it be like to be a blogger for like the Patriots, like the Packers? Like, oh, even the Packers the have some drama. Again. The Patriots well, I, I really that. don't have any drama. Yeah, but like, so even if you're the Packers, they're like, "What are we gonna go ten and six? Like, I guess it's the same. They the don't same miss way the playoffs. We get the, <laughs> I know. Crazy. I think it's. I think it's similar to like what we go through as Cavs fans, because we're just like so accustomed to making the finals. Like, I, I can only imagine that's what it's got to be like for other football teams. Like, the yeah, Patriots it's like the Patriots. Packers. The divisional game for the Patriots is just like part of the process. Same with the Cavs. First two rounds of the playoffs, it's like let's just sweep so they can get a week off. And if they yeah. lose, it's like. The whatever. Remember, there was all that rust versus rust thing too, and I'm like, looking at looking at the roster, I'm sure the Cavs would take rust a hundred times out of a hundred versus having. They're not going to have any rust when they come back. That's for dang sure. Yeah, it's it's called people trying. Well, that's kind of goes to your point when you write about a team that's that good. You almost have to make up storylines. Oh yeah, like oh they had so much rest. Okay, well I mean they're still working out and practicing. They're not like. Do you think football's a little bit different though than basketball? Because basketball, I mean. It's you can you can go shoot at a gym. You're not tech. It's technically a day off. You're still like yeah. working out and stuff with football. I feel like your body just gets so beaten up that like the more time off you have, 
I feel like it, it really could throw off kind of your rhythm or maybe some because it, basketball there's so many possessions for you to to get your rhythm back you know versus well, football, football they need the time off though for injuries i remember richard sherman wrote an article last year about how thursday night games by the time the game rolls around everyone's still hurt yeah that's true i didn't think about it like that i don't know i got to get rid of the thursday night games i think did the browns even have one this year that's a negative because it oh. used to be when they started doing thursday recently when they started doing thursday night games as one a week um, every team got one, but then there yeah. was the annual Titans Jags game that really brought shame to the events. And the Browns this year they got their London game, that nice nine thirty a.m. primetime game. At least I'll be disappointed at the beginning of the day. Uh, they might win. I say that about by that every point. I think they'd be eight and zero. <laughs> they could be. I say that about every <laughs> single game. I wake up and I go, Ah, let's forget exactly what happened this week last time. About 20 hours from now, I'll be very upset. But, no, it was uh, – I don't know. It can't be any worse than it was last year. That's the optimism that keeps us going, I guess. Do you – let me see if you remember this stat. you know the Browns have only won four games in the past two years? Isn't yeah. that painful? And before that, they lost their final five of 2014. So this year, really, the only way to go is up. You're really bringing me – yeah, really uh, – well, I mean, they've hey, been... I got a fun fact for you. <laughs> Let's go. Cool, it's like a cold, hard fact. The Browns don't win any game. Oh, man. Um, yeah. I mean, it'll definitely be a better year. I'm still, I mean, my whole thing about it being having a successful team revolves around at least average quarterback play. And just at this exact moment, there may not be a guy. There might be a guy on the roster, but we don't know if there's going to be a quarterback under center that is able to do these kind of things. So, we can, like we can have the best draft in the world, but unless one of those guys is a quarterback, it still leaves a lot of doubt in fans' minds whether or not this team's going to actually be successful. Yeah, and speaking of quarterbacks, since that is the favorite topic of not just Browns fans, but I think any sports fan in Cleveland of the last twenty years, easily <laughs> that and like it, it was sprinkled in a little bit when LeBron left for four years. Like ah, LeBron, Mar, and then LeBron left. But in important news, Colt McCoy, <laughs> yeah. So who do you think, let me get a prediction out of you, put you on the spot, but it's not a hard prediction because there aren't that many options. Who, okay. who do you think has the highest upside as the Browns starter in 2017? Who's going to, it's going to be the best for his career upside? and it's going to be the best for the team. Highest career upside or highest upside like for season So one? it's going like, to be the best for his personal career and, his, and also good for the team. I mean, it's, it, they can, the Browns can sit there and say that they're going to sit Deshaun Kaiser for as long as they want. But how many times uh, – I'm pretty sure Jacksonville said they were going to sit Blake Bortles the year that in 2014 when they drafted him. Derek Carr, probably something similar. And then these guys come out of camp and are able to play. Um, with Jimmy Haslam still in the fold, it'll be interesting to see how much they stick to that plan and how how soon he does see the field. Uh, but for right now, week one, I say Cody Kessler's the starter, but – if Deshaun Kaiser sees the field at all in 2017, I think he's obviously got the, the highest upside of all three quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I think Kessler's going to start. It's just tricky because we talk about it, but judging his year one, it's almost unfair to judge it on like an objective level playing it field. It is, but it's not. Because he's, he just no, didn't. I know. He, he's it's, not going to win you games, but he... He's not going to lose them. I mean, yeah, he's not going to turn the ball over, but he's not going to... 
make the plays that you need to make in order to win football games. And that's it was pretty clear in that Ravens game on Thursday night when Hugh Jackson pulled them. I mean – yeah, you don't want that to happen. I forgot because, about that. That's yeah, thanks for reminding me. That's that's part of the reason why. Like I, I'm hesitant to get on the Kessler bandwagon. Is you look at Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz makes all of those throws. You know, people are so quick to point out the stats and passer ratings being all the same. But the one glaring one is that with a similar supporting cast around him, Carson Wentz won seven games, and not just not one. Like some games, he single handedly took over and won them games in the fourth quarter, being on offense, not. Cody Kessler, who unfortunately didn't have that many opportunities to even play in a competitive football game. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, he might he might be a decent quarterback. It'll just maybe with a better supporting cast this year that maybe we they also can actually start. I mean, he started games. as a third string quarterback through camp. He looked week exactly three was starting. He looked exactly like a third round draft pick, how you'd expect one to look. But I mean, not but, even that, but he didn't get a chance to work with the starters until like after week two, I don't think that's, he has the whole off season this year to work with the starters. That's true. And you can see that him kind of building that relationship with some of the younger guys too. Um, it, it, speaking of, I mean, all those wide, those young wide receivers, they, it looks like they talk kind of a big game, especially Hollywood Higgins. And I mean, there's a lot of expectations on Corey Coleman, but it's, I mean, they have no big threat anymore, right? How tall is Kenny Britt? Six, two, maybe. I think he's, he's six, two. Pryor. I mean, you lose a, a big threat in Terrell Pryor in terms He's of six, being three. able to go up 6-3. That's not too bad. Being able to go up and get the ball. I'm really curious to see um, what happens in this Josh Gordon scenario. I know it's oh, geez. not my favorite topic to talk about, and I don't think he's going to stick around with the Browns. But do you have any sense at all that maybe that's kind of – maybe they're – do you think they would give him a shot if he were to be cleared? Because, I mean, the only reason I ask is there's a lot of guys getting reinstated right now yeah, in the past couple weeks by the NFL. So I'm just curious if something on Gordon will come down anytime soon. I, don't, I think they'd immediately dangle him in a trade. Like, they'd be calling, like, hey, we, got, we don't want him. But What's the most you could get for him, though? Like a fourth rounder? Maybe. Because you can't trust you can him. get a fourth rounder. Yeah, I mean, you're trading. Why would you give up anything higher than a fourth round pick for a guy that consistently able to... Can't stay. Yeah. So... I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't help your franchise. I'm by usually trading them, in, so. I'm usually in the boat of if you know keep him, and if he you know is like if he gets suspended again, you know he still have his rights for like the team contract rights. But it's almost if he does it again, it's like a distraction because last year, as much as maybe they didn't want to say it, they were probably expecting him to start the season with the team after he's playing a preseason. Yeah, and it I think that's what killed him too. Is like you see all the potential that's there and you're like, "Okay, well maybe we'll wait for him, you know." And he's just he's doing exactly to the Browns. Like he's just dangling the carrot out in front of the Browns like, "Oh, maybe." But he's still got 2 years left on his deal and but there's a lot of talented guys who are like almost untouchable in the NFL for certain, like guys who come back from suspensions and stuff. Some teams just don't want to deal with it cuz you can find talented players elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, but you're not going to get someone also, with the raw talent of him, but you can get two, like you can be like the Patriots and get several guys who have more specific roles. Yeah, but you're also you're always going to take up or take on talent. Like the greater the talent, the the more tolerant you are with what their actions are, you know. And that's in the Browns' eyes, I really don't think it's that big of a deal that he does like. Like, I, I think it's a bigger deal that he, like, once he was mandated not to do it, he still did it, you know? So he still hasn't proven that he's getting the message. But I think that once he under, like, if he finally is now getting the message, 
I think they would be a little bit more tolerant. It's not like a Greg Hardy situation or like any situation like that. You know, it's a little bit different, but I think they're just kind of sick of him, to be honest. Because it's just, it's, there's so much. I mean, it's not like he's a defensive lineman where the, I mean, you still have to run a scheme, but it's a little more simple. He has to work with the, like, build, you know, just some, any rapport with the quarterbacks. You can't just show up. Doesn't matter how talented you are. I think that's going to be a real weakness for this team. I'm re- I really hope I'm wrong, but the wide receivers. Yeah, I think it's just bad. Yeah, because I mean, you don't. They, you want to be like, oh well, the all four you know rookies who were there last year, they're all going to improve. But I mean, Corey they? Coleman flashed so hard in the preseason, like those first couple weeks of camp. But then and he our favorite game ever, week two against the Ravens. That's true. But then he, got, I mean, then he gets hurt. He gets hurt in the preseason, so you only see, or I think he gets hurt right before the first preseason game, so you don't see him for two. I think two or three games, and then I he mean, broke his he hand. Gets, he plays week one. He breaks his hand in game two. It's like, I guess you really don't know what you have, but it, I'm really hoping he turns. And he's out a first round pick, so he like people are better. maybe are forgetting because the Browns were so bad. But you know they invested a first round pick in him. Yeah, and I think that class just got so lost in the shuffle as a whole because it, truly they just weren't that good. Yeah, Ogba you know, was the one who stood out as the clear best. Yeah, Nassib had a, a clear decline from that. I mean, the preseason he was he had no moves. tearing dudes up, and then they figured him out, and it was you didn't hear anything else, you know. So I think that that class, last year's rookie class, is going to be a real key to how this season plays out um, in terms of how we look at this front office as a whole. Sorry, I couldn't hear you a bit. My uh, peers, uh, the... People are cutting the grass right outside my house. So I uh, couldn't hear that last sentence. But I do. It, it, the noise, for people who don't record podcasts, when there's outside noise, it causes rage. <laughs> and uh, I apologize. <laughs> I'm just going to have to step outside. I'm just not uh, talking to make you a little bit more uncomfortable. We'll have you. an elk and elk ad play right in the middle of this or get like a one from rick and morty like get your real fake doors here (laughs) dude this here's real this is fake coming to (laughs) coming to dvd this summer only in theaters (laughs) but no they painted not so funny plywood cut out full cart (laughs) yeah we need to make some (laughs) fake ads but no back to the receiving core before i Shut down with the noise of the lawnmower. Go ahead. We're talking about Corey Coleman's progression. I get that it's the first nice day of spring, but some people, <laughs> some, some people, people are sit inside, inside and talk about the Browns all day. But no, I, with that group, and like I think what we do as Browns fans, I mean maybe I do it more than you because you seem to kind of catch me when I do it. Is saying, oh well, they'll be better this year. Jordan Payton came to camp late. That's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you oh, said that last I mean, year. Like, and I'm like, if oh o- yeah, Odell Beckham could show up to camp in August and be like, "I'm ready," and just like put pads on. <laughs> and it's crazy that the Browns for so long have not been able to realize those guys from the guys that they draft. Like, I mean, you I can't know. tell right away. It's not. There's not an exact science. It's, Did anyone see Odell Beckham play in college? Is he's like was it just the snagging the one uh, the one handed like kickoffs out of bounds? Just, but you know what the problem was with him? You know who his quarterback was Zach Mettenberger. Yeah, I think that really. I, I mean, he still went was, high in the draft. No, that was, I, it's why he buddy, didn't go, like, he wasn't, like, this clear stud. Well, I don't understand that. Like, LSU should be such a good program. Think of all the players that wasn't, weren't Jeremy Hill, and uh, Beckham Jarvis on the Landry, 
Odell Beckham, Zach, Mac- Zach Mettenberger, Barkevius Mingo, like all these guys were on the roster at some point at the same time, I believe. All, I mean, obviously Mingo wasn't that good, but a lot of those other guys are pretty darn good NFL players. And if all you have to do is be a halfway decent quarterback in college to really to take advantage of that talent, and they never even, I think they got to like some top 10, but were never really a constant threat. No, it's the, the weird thing. It's like some schools, Clemson, they're able to win. Example. Sometimes they could win titles, but they're not really. Or they get close, and it's like they have some huge flaw. It's like, are you telling me you couldn't recruit a top quarterback? Well, that's the thing. Like, even Clemson, like, a few years before, like, in the Sammy Watkins, um, Martavis Bryant, DeAndre Hopkins, Taj, those Taj Boyd years, I mean, they were good, and they had, like, elite NFL players. They just never – like, it's weird that you would think elite NFL players can't win you a title in college football. Like, in college basketball, I mean, that, that's something hey, that's the whole point of college title. basketball. Yeah. Just weird to think about. But there's also – you only need five stud players in basketball. Exactly. It's so star dominated. You can just get the biggest, fastest guys. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I read a uh, 2018 mock draft already. So Ooh, I have seen those, is, but I haven't clicked because they frustrate me. Almost. Oh, they frustrate me too. Because the Browns two. are always one or two. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's the other thing. I'm like, ooh, another one in 15 season, I see. Like, we should have been like four and 12, but that's neither here nor there. I saw it was a, a safety at the number two overall too. pick I saw. Yeah, I don't remember what draft it was, but I don't know. That might have been the ESPN one because it was Sam Darnold going one. Yeah. I think the good. Jets are going to go 0 and 17 this year, and they're, they're just going to take an extra loss so they can get that number one pick. You know who the Browns should get is Eric Decker, speaking of the Jets. That'd be interesting. I think they. I think he, he's cut loose because I mean it's not like the Browns are a team that they might cut a, some more talent loose because they're really trying to lose. Yeah, and so you've got some money. Throw it. I mean, I was listening to the radio and they were saying, "Oh, well, the Browns don't want to spend on guys that are 32 years old." It's like, well, you've kind of got a core in place right now. If you can sign a guy that's 32, like Eric Decker, for what? I mean, two years and throw a ton of money at him, like you did Dwayne Bow. I think he'd be a little bit more productive uh, than Dwayne Bow. Dwayne Bow. Yeah. Yeah. If you took the memories. money from Dwayne Bow and Dwayne Bow and Brian Hartline, and just gave. Three quarters of that to Eric Decker, you'd get a thousand times more production. Way more production per catch. And you way less, have less money per catch, but more catches, so it works out. Throwing that money at Dwayne Bow would be like giving Mark Sanchez like a $50 million deal. Do you remember when he jumped up for the ball in the playoff game with no, hand, no arms in the air, hit the last pass of the game? I do. I actually made a fantasy team about that one year, because, but no one got the joke because... No one has the play recall like me and you. <laughs> I think I got like, hey. Yeah, he jumped up with his arms down yeah. so the defender couldn't hit him. I'm like, that's what I would do. Just give me my paycheck. I'm not getting hit. Ugh. I mean, and maybe, it, maybe that's why I'm not a GM. Maybe Eric Decker doesn't have anything left. But, I mean, they just need a little bit of help at receiver, at receiver you know. Just well, that's like, the problem because you look and you say, oh, well, he's, he'll be better than Dwayne Bowe was. Well, but yeah, he might not that's be. our he might starting. Not be, though. Yeah, yeah, could I mean, be. He hurt. wasn't last year. I think he got hurt, and then he was out for the year. I think early on. So that's a fun tidbit. Do you know the him. quarterbacks that the Jets have right now? Bryce Petty, Hackenberg, <laughs> and Josh McCown. Josh McCown, the Brown. The, I feel so bad for Josh McCown. Like, so he goes from the Browns, who basically gutted the whole roster <laughs> and made him the the starting quarterback dummy bag, and then he. Went and signed with the Jets to do. But the that's because exact he wants thing. to maybe play, and that's just 
He's probably going to play, it. but he's going to end up in a wheelchair. I know, but that if he really wanted to just, you know, never play, he could have his agent could have called the Giants or yeah, somebody like, "Hey, I just Cowboys. want a mentor," but he still maybe wants to play. Yeah. And I still think the Browns he could have been a backup. Him. Most teams would have taken him as their backup, even like I mean, the Cowboys. I would have I'd rather have him over Brock Osweiler. Oh, me too. I don't know. Do we am I too hard on Brock Osweiler? <laughs> Am I too hard on him? <laughs> he was too bad, hard on man. Brock. I hear so many people talk about how, like, oh, we should give him a chance. Like, did you watch them play? They're terror. They were Houston's quarterback play was so bad last year, and Brock Osweiler was the main culprit. And I, I Brian Hoyer went back there and threw for a pretty good amount of like had a really good season under there. He did throw four threw, picks in the playoffs. I was going to say, until he threw five picks in the, in the <laughs> playoffs. And DeAndre game. Hopkins was like, <laughs> give me a new effing quarterback. <laughs> and then they did, and they got this six seven noodle from Denver. I think he's 6'9". No way. Do they sure. have to make new doors in Berea for him to walk through? He's he got to be 6'7". Oh, he is 6'7". Who am I like, thinking of? Just break his growth. Uh, I don't know. Someone else. <laughs> Richie Sexton, he was tall. Uh. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of former Indians first baseman and D.H. Ricky. Ricky. No, I, no. That's a name. That's like referencing a name from like kindergarten. You like remember him? Yeah. No. Marty Cordova. Richie Sexton. Wow. Russell Brannion. He was only six eight. So nice try. Six eight baseball player. That is int- That's a that's a big man. How do you even cover a strike zone with that? You just hit dingers, I guess. Home run or strikeout. That's what Russell Brandian's philosophy uh, was. Now I'm going to be looking at Indians' rosters the rest of the day. Remember we had Albert, or not Albert, well, we did have Albert Bell, but we had like Ellis Burks, too. Ellis Burks, that's another name. I remember... Lou Merloni. <laughs> I forgot how long ago, in, in case this puts this into perspective. Kenny Lofton was signed for that 2007 season at the trade deadline. And, like, I remember that. I, I remember where I was at because it feels like so long ago. It was 11 years ago or 10 years ago, and I was at my aunt's house in New York. That's the last time I've ever been there, 10 years, and it feels like 50 years ago. You know, like it, Well, let me ask you this. Do you remember the Charlie Fry trade vividly? I, was I at, do. I was at Ridge Junior High School, and I got you the text. You broke the news to me in the hallways, I think. I did. I was going to the bathroom, and I got the text from my dad saying they traded Charlie Fry to the See, I didn't have texting at that point because I lived in a wholesome household, where we weren't allowed to text. I'm sorry, my hedonic parents got me uh, a cell phone <laughs> sorry, before, I I was, before I was texting technology. <laughs> I had a I had a bag phone walking around the middle school, but no, like stuff like that. Sad. <laughs> the Lofton thing was exciting. The Fry thing was like, isn't he the starting quarterback? You, I mean, so he's another example too. Don't you wish the Browns just ever took a quarterback? Like they need to go all in on a guy for once. Instead of taking the guy, like, obviously no one wants – Deshaun Kaiser wasn't the best quarterback in the class. He might be at the end of it, but right now he's not the best. And, yeah, you know, he wasn't – what he you wasn't strive any, to no do – No one's going to invest in him. Exactly. What you strive to do as an organization is take players that are the best players that – like, right now, you know. And may, I don't think you draft on upside, no. Like, yeah, you, the upside's there, but you're also taking – they didn't take Miles Garrett because he sucks. Yeah. That it might have good potential. They took him because he's a great player and he has potential to be even better. So 
at some point, I think at the quarterback position, you need to yeah, you just gotta put say your we're committed to this guy for three years. We're gonna draft this guy, and in the top ten where we can get him and get the best quarterback, the best quarterback we think is there. Like what Kansas City did in trading up. You know, they sacrificed what a first round pick and got their guy for two, three years, who they can sit and groom and think that he might be the guy. And that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but like that was a thing that happened a lot before oh, recently. People- and I was reading an article. It's this class. It's probably going to bring back that where all the guys sit. People were supposed like people were so quick to bash. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo for being a guy that sits. Oh, well, if he's so good, why didn't he play? It's like, oh, well, there's Tom Brady there. Same thing with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sat for like three years, four years behind uh, Brett Favre. And while I'm not saying that osmosis is going to happen every time, I mean it's a lot easier to get up to speed in the NFL when you've had a chance to sit and practice and and learn how to prepare each week versus throwing a guy in there week one and seeing how he does. Yeah, but most Browns fans can't comprehend that. I love looking like I like to bring up the Dog Pound Daily Facebook page comments, which is a dark place, <laughs> dark place, the internet. You do mean tweets, mean <laughs> Facebook comments. I can't even. They're, they're ins- I, maybe I'll pull some up. But it's like I wrote an article about letting Kaiser sit, you know, because obviously. And it was, well, this is the NFL. you got to learn on the job. I go, has anyone watched... The Browns play the past. Oh, because learning on the job got every other regime so, so far. What job in general do you show up and they go, all right, here you are. Without <laughs> even a little bit of like, okay, so this is what we want you to do. Okay. Are your expectations are this, you know, I don't think there's any, I don't know. If, if you start Kaiser week one, it better be pretty apparent that he, we'll see it in the preseason. I'm sure whether her, like based on who the starter is, I'm sure it'll be pretty clear cut because if all three quarterbacks are average, then we truly have no quarterbacks. So maybe we'll be asking ourselves that same question or the same question um, leading into draft week next year of who is the Browns quarterback? Who's the Browns going to oh, starting gosh. quarterback going to be? Week Brock one? Osweiler. Well, that's, that's where I, I have a problem kind of with the drafting of Deshaun Kaiser. It's yeah. You, you still use a second round pick. People want to uh, laugh it off and say that it's not, a valuable pick, but I mean, there are guys at 52 there that are guys that could make an impact right away. And it's not to say Deshaun Kaiser won't, but what happens next year? If you go, if you have a top five pick, top three pick, even the number one overall pick potentially again next year, and you're in a position to take one of these highly touted quarterbacks, what is going to be that distinction that makes you say, all right, we need to take one or we can afford to wait again until next year. That's the problem. They, they always do that. And, and, and this it's time like, of year, if you commit to a quarterback, though, it, it alleviates that whole problem. And yeah. maybe that quarterback sucks, but at least you know you're not focusing on it for three years. Like Johnny Manziel was done after two years. He knew he sucked and he didn't care about football. So it was, it was an easy unloading, you know, and yeah, it's a bad pick. But, you know, you moved on and now we're on to something better like Drake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just like that's how Drake. I end all. That's how I end all of my like Drake. No, I like I reference Drake a lot in my own life. We have a lot of similarities, both from Toronto. Both, <laughs> both like basketball. Both really like Toronto. Um, but no, to the point of, you know, talking about next year's QBs, you know, right away it's going to be. Damn, it only took us, what, 13 days to start talking about next year's classic quarterbacks no, already? I, I'm not No, it's me. I was, I was already uh-huh. talking about myself. I mean, I'm but already yeah, I just mean, here's my view on it. Last year at this time, it's. Oh, we got to get Deshaun Watson and all this. And this year it's Darnold from USC. And it's, it's the same cycle every year. Mm-hmm. And then and next then year, be hype. he's going to have a bad, a Rosen and him are going to 
have a bad game, Rose County, UCLA, and it's going to be, well, these guys stink. Like, well, you know. Well, that's the run. That's the risky run when you keep waiting instead of, I mean, who knows? Yeah, when you're not even looking come for out and He might be the franchise quarterback that we've needed for so long. It's just, I don't know, you know, if it, find a way to commit to him because this franchise is almost running out of time. Like, I don't want them to go four or three years without putting their eggs in a quarterback basket and then getting fired and being like, well, we put all these good pieces around it. Like, how could we have not, how could the quarterback whisper and Hugh Jackson not, not have found his guy by now? And with all that draft capital, how have they not made a move to get him? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. You can be happy with the trade downs all you want, but it just I, delays the inevitable of having exactly. To like got, I think Brown fans have, to, have commitment issues. Got to put your balls on the line sometimes. Got to put your money where your mouth is. Your heart can't, your your heart can't whisper, get broken if you never take a chance. Well, the, th- <laughs> the thing is, though, is you've got to <laughs> like. So if the Browns really thought that Pat Mahomes had the, the biggest upside, why didn't they make a move to go get him to somebody? You know, they could they have, gone should have five called and Kansas City him. and clogged up their phone and then made the trade call. Yeah, it just it just you lost out on both guys that you wanted. And you may have gotten a guy as a consolation prize in the second round. But and then he also traded out of number 12 to not take Deshaun Watson. So it's they're just punting it again slowly down the field. And it's just <laughs> I just wish they would take a shot one of these times. It's, it's frustrating. I'm not unhappy with it, but it's just another scenario the Browns put themselves. That's in frustrating where. because it just it creates a continuous cycle of. I've seen it before. I mean, I've seen it. How but many every times have we every seen regime the gets their chance to do it. Yeah, I mean that's why not, you just need to keep people in place. Exactly, and that's that's the biggest thing. I don't care. They could miss on these draft picks unless they're doing things like Ray Farmer did. Keep them. Yeah, like just signing Dwayne Bow. I mean, the thing is with Jimmy Haslam. So if you're looking at the Browns draft on paper you know i and i'm I'm wondering if this is truly taken into consideration when um front offices get fired like what the initial reaction of the draft is because i think that's a huge part of it you know ever like there's a lot of consensus saying that these players are good you know so are the browns really at fault if these don't players don't pan out as well they made good picks i mean smart picks every like no one's coming out and saying that this team this draft was terrible so, like, how are you supposed to judge it in three years? Be like, wow, so we really thought these guys were good, and they didn't turn out to be like, is that a fireable offense? Is that what gets front offices fired? Or is it making the bigger mistakes like drafting a quarterback in the top ten that sucks? And maybe maybe that's a reason why they haven't done it. Yeah, it's tricky because when you're an owner, you, like, all you really, I mean, all you really care about is winning. And, and when there's so much pressure with money, okay, so if money, staying out of jail, and winning – for Jimmy Haslam. Well, he's 0 for 2 almost. <laughs> but almost 0 for 2. Yeah, you have to say, hey, I mean, there's video of Hugh Jackson running around the Browns office after they got Peppers. So I'm like, that's huge. Like, what a pick. Because I I mean, if they have their draft board, Jimmy Haslam sees it and they say, you know, these are the guys we're taking. And he, I mean, he watches college football. I get it. Oh, I, I, it's just weird that, like, so how is Jimmy, Jimmy going to? It, it, I don't know. It's how I don't know how owners or GMs evaluate, like, you know, like because you could get a couple good players, but they're not all going to be Pro Bowlers. Yeah. Some might be, but how rare is it that you find an elite player out of the draft? You know, if you do find one, does that offset the other four bad picks that possibly were made? Like, not everyone's going to be completely accurate, but look at, I mean, look at uh, who was the guy that got fired in Indy? Um, 
Gregson. Gregson. And I mean, he made one good pick in Andrew Luck, but I mean, I, me and you could have made that failed. Pick. Oh, exactly, and ever absolutely failed to put anything else around him. So, speaking of, I was at uh, the Horseshoe in Indiana and was doing a little bit of gambling at the roulette table with uh, Chuck Pagano. That was pretty cool. Did he know who you were? I'm like, uh, yeah. He actually said, "Hey, you're the kid from uh, you're from Dog Pound Daily uh, Podcast, right?" With Steve Kabitza, and I was like, "Yeah, that that's actually me." <laughs> but no, we're. Sit down at the or standing at the roulette table, and I look at the other end of the table, and I'm like, I look to my buddy Kyle. I go, like, guy looks a lot like Chuck Pagano, and he's like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, he's the coach of the Colts." And showed him a picture. I'm like, "Yeah, that does look like him." And so we just like we look over, we look down. I I was just like, Chuck, hey yo, Chuck, <laughs> just trying to get his attention subtly. And he looked up, and I like I'm like Chuck, and he looked at me. He was like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." And we were every time we won, we were celebrating like drunken idiots, and we would look at him and party. But yeah, that was the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> we're gonna have to get Chuck Pagano on the line to see if this story's story. real. This is the Billy Manzel story. It is. <laughs> I swear, I saw Chuck Pagano in a wig and glasses. Yeah, but that was my weekend. It's fun stuff. <laughs> Just seeing Chuck Pagano like, on the weekend. This weekend. My body, you got the shakes. My body's trying to re- get itself back to normal. It's always, I don't drink like that anymore. It's always nice. Hi, I'm Andrew. I have the shakes. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> but to, and I'm sure this Browns talk is really helping your stress levels too. I want to ah, close on a note I love to close on. We can't really. What more predictions can we get? I'm, I'm going to think of one. Predictions. So we can't do a normal, you know, what's going to be the case. But I will ask, will the Browns end 2017 with the worst record in the NFL? Tied or solely with the worst? Can you repeat that? I was... Am I... I I kind of Do I make too many passive statements? Am I... (laughs) If, indeed, there is a game tomorrow night... (laughs) Just be a little bit shorter and concise with it. That's all I ask. It's like trying to type a college essay. You're like, I look outside and I see to birds completely with the power understand of the topic. <laughs> 500 words is a very intricately <laughs> compounded number. No. Will the Browns end 2017 with the worst record in the NFL? No. No. I, I think I'm going to agree and say no. Pretty bad. Yeah. I, I think the Jets are pretty bad. Is Browns that a sad argument, bad, though? No, the Jets will, Jets will be worse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I want it. I, like, I don't know. I keep saying the Browns are going to be good every year, and then I think I said that last year too. I'm like, hey, if RG three, I'm I, I'm 90 oh, percent sure this came out of my hard. I said if RG three is half as good as he was that rookie year in Washington when they went nine and that seven, we, that we would have <laughs> like six or seven wins. I know. I I said that. That's for a fair sure. thing, though, because he really they would have been. Because he, he was sucks. no. I said if he was though, if that prediction. No, was I right. know. Yeah. I mean, but you're I, saying I you guess, were too hopeful. Oh, way too hopeful. <laughs> no, I remember no last more. year I was like, all right, you know, RG3, kind of a star. <laughs> Got some star power. and Maybe go nine and no seven. Pressure, no diamonds. Nine, six, and one, maybe. Sneak in the playoffs as a succeed. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, I'm going to say they will also not be the worst because I'm not even going to say because the Jets are going to be the worst, but I, I, I don't think they're going to go three and 13 or. I don't think you're going to have three years in a row just based on the law of averages. 
<laughs> being you're going to do the law of averages for the Cleveland Browns, Browns yes. sport, Cleveland Browns. And I'm going to say they're going to go four years. or five wins. <laughs> so that's, when you're looking at the average win the total here averages, on my you know that, right? poster board, we have the Browns kind of bottoming out every year. That's within, you know, five, five wins. That's like what they've been doing. That would technically still be in law of averages, the law of averages, <laughs> because that's As like what they I average. said, <laughs> And then you have the ten and six year, no, and it's like don't you, yeah. I was gonna say bye, you bye, need bye, to bye. Have, that would. I mean, every ten years, right? Two thousand seven was one. Now we got another one coming. Nineteen ninety seven, they're in Baltimore. Eighty seven, they went to the playoffs. <laughs> I'm just saying, every ten years, man. In ninety seven, they couldn't even go, so they probably would have. If we're gonna stick with the law of averages. <laughs> 57, dominant. 47. Statistical phenomena is like for Cleveland Browns football every day. In 1947, years. they won the AAFC title. Oh. Thanks, Rain Man. <laughs> I was there. But. <laughs> A winkle in your dad's eye. <laughs> yeah, my, his dad. <laughs> uh, my dad. 95 Not, actually, years that doesn't, old. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So old. Oh, we better end this podcast before they don't let us back on iTunes again. Well, we're not even on, so yeah. We're not on iTunes yet? I don't think so. It's it's tricky. You know, you got to read the terms and agreements. Are we going to have the open ever? Like with the blog talk thingy? The blog talk. Oh, we have it. You don't, you got to listen on blog talk radio. It starts with, I thought um, we had to go on that. uh, I thought we start, we're going to record on like an internet service or something. Oh, you want to do a live show? I'd be down. Well, I like live, live shows, right now, but when people cut the grass while I'm recording, <laughs> that is when I draw the line. All right. No, we're going right. to have to do one soon because we can get other writers on the show. We can. And then I, I, will, <laughs> I will hang up on them if they have any dissenting opinions from what we're saying. Oh, thanks for joining. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, uh, McPoyle versus Ponderosa wedding. <laughs> like, we brought in this bird expert. <laughs> Please speak to that bird. Find out what he knows. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't speak. I can't speak to the bird. Well, you're an expert in bird law. Uh, Those are always sunny. Hopefully, <laughs> our follow. Hopefully, our followers watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It would be a lot. The Golden God Podcast. Yeah, makes about sense. It makes <laughs> sounds about right. But alas, we must end this fun debate on Brown's quarterbacks and. Another thirteen minutes for thirteen minutes of emptiness in the last <laughs> the last thirteen and minutes. And now have been a moment nothing. of silence for all the losses the Browns have had. Like a, <laughs> like a talking talking Browns. All right, we're gonna we're gonna in memoriam sixteen minute podcast. We're only gonna talk for every minute the Browns won a game. Welcome. Yep. But no, um, it's pretty episode- soon. What? Once the games start to happen, though, it'll be a lot, a lot more fun to do it every Monday. And, and oh yeah, I, I drive myself night. insane writing about the Browns in February and May. Just come on every Monday and blow uh, fumes yeah. about how bad the Browns <laughs> were the previous day. Hey guys, it's like where are you, Andrew? Uh, I don't know. I'm at some motel in <laughs> south of Indy. <laughs> like, are you okay? Browns really driving me to drinking. But no, it's episode eight. I'm happy we got to this point. I knew we would. Yeah, I think uh, when we, we stuck first started, you said as soon as we get to eight, you know, that's the right. Is that what you nope. told me? <laughs> no, that's what you told okay. me. Nope. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got to text somewhere to prove it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy with it. I know we have people listening all the way through. And if you made it to this point in this one, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that means you're a lifer. <laughs> you're either one of our parents 
<laughs> or a good my friend uncle. of mine. Uh, but yeah, well, I, we could probably honestly. I think I could name twenty-one people who I think actually listen to it. Well, we can do that in the after-hours part of the show. <laughs> Coming back next in the next half hour, we'll be naming off every person we think listened to our podcast. But alas, I'm Casey Casey. This is America's <laughs> Top Forty. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week with some new exciting topics.